Hello, this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. We're live every Sunday uh, from 10am on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn and our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk. If you're watching on our website, please leave us a Google review. And if you're watching on social media, get involved in the conversation in the comments below. Uh, if you've got something you'd like us to discuss on the show, it's hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. If you don't have time to watch us live, you can watch us on a podcast or you can, of course, listen on a podcast from any of the platforms you see on the other side of the screen there. And it's available 10 a.m. Monday following on from the Sunday broadcast. Just search for Property Matter TV wherever you get your podcasts. We're also live on Dilse Radio across the week as well. Let's take a look at the week's property news with our property expert, Joe Joshi. Hi, Joe. Ah, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Good morning to all our listeners and, of course, our viewers um, across, the, across the board. And, uh, yeah, plenty going on at the moment in the property market. Um, and I think you'll find there'll be plenty more in the week coming. Indeed, there is. And uh, let's start with Help to Buy, which we've talked about um, on the show a number of times. But it's now RIP Help to Buy because it is no more. It finished on the 31st of May this year. Uh, and the year data for the whole project, which started uh, way back in uh, 2013, 1st of April 2013. So they've got all the details about what has happened. And over that time, 1st of April 13 to the 31st of May 23, 387,195 properties were purchased with an equity loan of which 328,000 just over were brought by first-time buyers. The total value of these equity loans amounts to 24.7 billion and the combined value of the properties sold under the scheme totaled 109.2 billion. Now we've been relatively positive about help to buy in the past haven't we and uh, it's not without its problems of course but uh, it's interesting why it's no longer. Any thoughts? Um Look, at the end of the day, during the during the pandemic and around that time, I think they brought um, the help to buy. I think it can be still brought back. I'm, I wouldn't be too surprised if they kind of rekindle it, uh, even though um, the numbers may not be what they thought they were going to be. But it does assist. And we clearly can see from the numbers and the amount of money that they've lent out and, and the first time buyers that have had the opportunity that um, you know, there, there was an advantage here albeit maybe not as big as they thought it was, but it did do a lot of things. Now, um, I, I think that uh, when, when I look at the help to buy scheme that was provided, uh, it, it uh, created a good foundation for the first time buyer. Ultimately, that was it. I think its flaws, if there was any flaws, probably was that it was only available to new builds um, because it's very, very difficult to structure that for people that already have a property that they want to sell and first-time buyers that want to buy because it was really involving uh, builders, developers and the government uh, in order to sort of actually um, deal with the amount of deposit that they could have uh, gifted or, or added or actually loaned um, and, and then build that into, um, into the um, long-term advantage for the government. In that last two months, 1st of April to the 31st of May, just 106 properties were bought which is, uh, with an equity loan, which was down 99% on the same period in 2022. It had come to an end. But uh, what's interesting is that there's a number of people who say that, um, uh, that it actually fueled uh, first-time buyers' house prices because obviously the builders also uh, got uh, demand for uh, for brand new homes was, was quite significant and therefore prices prices rose because there was a, a a short supply of new builds and basically in the end 
it it stopped them people getting on because the price was going up too fast because the demand had been built up by the loan. Yeah, I mean, look, there's always going to be a winner and a loser in these situations. In 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 the first instance, the first time buyers were the winners because they got a chance to step on the housing ladder. But because that demand um, became very very popular, then of course the house prices went up and. Uh, you have to understand the government actually went into this on the basis that they would go up because that's how they were going to get their uh, money back. Um, you know, if they if they put it in there for five years and, and in five years the house prices went up, they had a chance to getting some of that money back because that was the deal. It wasn't it wasn't a, a free uh, ride. There, you know, there was there was a caveat that the there would be a payback. Um, so I think I think uh, in that sense, yes, of course, uh, house prices went up. That meant people didn't but in the last year or so of course the reason why it has not been successful is simply because you know affordability has become a real challenge isn't it i mean lenders have put their money uh, and the interest rates have gone up and, and the cost of living has been going up so it's it's not you know come that way but i i think that um i think there's going to be some goodies in the store uh over the next week or so um and maybe maybe this may may, may kind of come back in a different sort of way yeah, how it worked was the government used to provide an equity loan up to the value of 20% of the property, and that was 40% in London from the 1st of February 2016. And that was repayable when the uh, property would be sold in the future. That's when the, go the, the government would get their margin. In 2020, it was announced that the Help to Buy scheme would change on the 1st of April 21 with new eligibility criteria and regional price caps. The previous scheme deadlines initially required properties to be built out by the end of December 2020 and completed by the end of March 2021. However, the pandemic uh, um, meant there was an extension to the 28th of February 21 for properties to be built out and to the 31st of May uh, for the legal sale of completion. Um, and we're talking about the fact that it wasn't universally positive. The design allowed the government to gain a share of the property's appreciation, and it meant that the house prices increase. So did the government's profit from these loans, as you say. This aspect um, became particularly burdensome for homeowners when they reached the end of their five-year interest-free period, with the interest rate initially set at 1.75%, and then increasing annually based on inflation. Many homeowners faced escalating costs adding financial strain to what was initially an assistance programme. So once their uh, low rate had finished, of course, these things started to escalate. And of course, it became uh, um, quite a burden. Yes. And, and unfortunately, you know, with, with inflation at double digits um, in, in the early part of the year, of course, interest rates, you know, came up. And so, yes, you know, you're going to pay that price. Everybody's paid that price, unfortunately, Paul. It's not just been in this help to buy situation, it's been across the board. But the the purpose of it was to assist first time buyers to get on the property ladder. And to some extent, that was a successful thing. It gave them an opportunity. Back in the, in the, in the early days of, of property from my time, 100% mortgages were the, 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 the thing of the day, 95% mortgages or, you know, other ways. There's always a way to try and get that sort of uh, first time buyer on the first run of the ladder so that the whole chain can move up. And that's the problem that we have. There's, there's no way to break that. The only time that was broken was when um, investors came into the market and buy to let started to come in. So then the first time buyer started losing out because the buy to let was coming in and literally buying the same properties that the first time buyer wanted to buy. So 
there's always going to be some scenario that didn't work out. But what it does goes to show, and we've said this time, and I've said this time and time again, is that people still, no matter how that comes, want to invest in their own home. They want to purchase their own property. The increase in demand fueled by the government-backed loans, it says, uh, provided a substantial financial boon to the construction industry. However, this benefit to builders came with the caveat that it may have to contributed to their inflating house prices, making the market less accessible in the long run. One person commented that all the scheme really did was line the pockets of the developers. Interesting comment. Yeah, look, <laughs> there's always going to be winners and losers, isn't there, at the end of the day. And, um, you know, you can't get it 100% the way we want it. But I think though the builders may have lined their pockets, it certainly built more houses because they needed to get that. The government's never managed to achieve the targets that they keep setting themselves. First time buyers want to get onto the run of the ladder. This was an opportunity. And, you know, I hope that some other scheme that is alike or akin to this will come available again in the future because at the end, without the first time buyers, the housing market does come to a standstill. What strikes me though, Joe, is that um, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. So any scheme that they try and put in, whether it's uh, you know 95% mortgages or 100% mortgages or stamp duty holiday or help to buy, that initially creates a, a, a sort of panic, a, a fear of missing out, a FOMO. And then everybody gets on the bandwagon. Everybody wants to save some money somewhere and, and get a chance. And, of course, all that does is raise the prices. So whatever they try and do, it just ends up meaning that the price becomes less affordable in the long run. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, there are going to be winners and losers in this. But without a scheme, without an opportunity, some people are just never going to get onto that. Uh, that first run and so it's gonna it's gonna come at a price perhaps in the long term but then there is gain in this you know Paul uh, we always forget the fact that you know people have bought uh, go back to my you know first house that I sold at 34,950 pounds you know that house is now worth 650 700,000 pounds so you know, there are long-term gains that's one of the reasons why everybody wants to be in the property or on in the property market um, so we're not always going to satisfy but i think in this situation um the government at that time tried to bring in a scheme that allowed first-time buyers it is come to an end as you say it's rest in peace at the moment but um a new some sort of resurrection will come out of this on the basis that there'll be a different type of scheme and i'm sure that you know we'll have discussions on that one when that comes in we shall certainly keep an eye out and see what uh, is uh, suggested when uh, the chancellor makes his speech is it next week Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the twenty second, actually. Uh, and, and I So that's uh, next week, yeah. Next week, yeah. Yeah, super. Okay, so let's just have a look then at uh, our second story of the week. Um a fifth of short term lets in London had been long term rentals in the past three years. This is really interesting, this suggesting that landlords are looking for alternative ways to make money from property. Using their landlord portfolio analysis tool based on more than 2,000 listings, Propult said 20% uh, of short-term lets in the capital used to be listings that belonged to letting agents. Propult analysed 2,800 short-term lets at various price points and location in every London borough. 586 had been in long-term rental with a letting agent before becoming a short-term rental property. 
Furthermore, the volume of listings belonging to portfolio landlords, those with multiple properties, is nearly three times higher than the national average at 30%. These portfolios contain over 10,000 current long-term rentals in and around London. So what we're saying here then is that a number of landlords, particularly those using a letting agent, looking at the fees they're taking, look at all the other costs that they're having to absorb in the lettings, thinking, do you know what? I'm making less and less and less on a long-term rental here and all the issues of leaky taps, et cetera, I guess. Uh, they're thinking about taking it into their own hands and then maybe doing something like an Airbnb and just doing short-term lets and presumably those numbers are stacking up better for them. Yes, it's certainly, uh, Paul, that kind of scheme works well in town centres, um, pretty much anywhere and certainly in London. It will be effective primarily because people want to um, now not always commit to a six-month to a year tenancy. Um, more than that, it's the cost that makes it a real problem. So let's let's take for example that there's a one-bedroom flat or a two-bedroom flat in, in central London, and that's going to cost you six hundred, seven hundred pound a week um, to to rent. But in some cases, you know, when they're doing it on a daily basis uh, and working it out over a period. They're actually making probably you know double that money. It might be two hundred pound a day that they're getting, as opposed to six hundred or seven hundred pound a week. Um, and the cost of borrowing has gone so much that um, landlords are having to be creative um, and try and say, well, look, I wonder if I you know, this particular portfolio. So then they might look at certain properties in their portfolio, ones that were on long-term fixed rates may be okay to continue to rent out at a fixed term but the ones that became um expensive for the rates went up to five six seven percent whatever that might be maybe the ones that they thought you know what this this now doesn't wash its face as a um long-term rental so maybe we need to consider doing airbnb and i've had that discussion with many the only problem with airbnb is unless it's manageable in the town center it doesn't really always produce the best results further afield because finding staff or finding people to manage that, go and clean it, turnaround time, all of those things, you know, actually can then become uh, expensive and um, just cumbersome. You know, it becomes a job, doesn't it? And that, that in itself. So they might think they're making more money, but then they're employing more people to do those particular things in the first place. So those are the problems that they face. But... Yes, I think people are looking at their portfolio and, and deciding which ones and what location can actually now do, do the short-term let. And it's, it's very popular. I mean, you know, if you look on um, Airbnb sites or you look on hotel sites or whatever, you see that people are now advertising the Airbnb on the hotel sites because it's an alternative. And there is a, a, a massive market for that. Airbnb came into that market and, and did... Uh, disrupt that on the basis that people were saying, well, actually, you know what, I don't want to be in a hotel room. I'd like the whole apartment or I'd like, you know, the space or, or my family's going to come and we're all going to be in it together. And there's that apartment could house four or five people. You know, there's, there's a lot of reasons why that, that change was happening. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a clear trend line in London in particular towards short-term lets and indeed any uh, major city where there's uh, tourist areas because obviously you've got the high footfall of tourists through London. It's perfect for them, isn't it? And um, with the many different ways that you can advertise your property, like you say, Airbnb, um, and you don't have to, um, you know, spend a great great deal of money with letting agents who then take control of everything for you and you kind of like uh, out of control with it, really, because it's not yours to look after as it's as it's being managed for you uh, th- there is uh, some, uh, s- some some sense in that and of course I presume from uh, not having done the numbers myself but the costs must stack up uh, sensibly for them yes like I said if you are going to get a return and then and you actually can make it work is much better so a apartment in London you could rent that out as a family and so the choice is that you could go to a, a hotel and have three rooms or, or two rooms rented uh, for the night, which may cost you two, three hundred pounds each. Or you can actually rent an apartment, which will cost you probably two hundred pounds, but it's a whole apartment and all of you can live in the same. So people are saving, the landlords are making more money, but what they have to take into consideration is the turnaround time. So it's one family today and another one tomorrow, and then it's a case of the bed sheets. And, and you know, getting someone in there to go and give it a clean, all that. So whilst they might be thinking, well, actually, I'm saving money in not being with an agent, they really got to work out the figures whether it's actually cheaper to be with an agent and let them have that that fee, or do I manage it and actually employ people, which I'm going to pay. So it's it's a case of working out the numbers really. With the uh, accidental landlords leaving the market, as we've reported many times on here, and also the fact that the portfolio landlords are looking at these alternative methods, there must be some warning signs there for letting agents because um, they're seeing their business being uh, diluted somewhat. Yes and no. Uh, there is a, a warning. I mean, the, the letting agents have had warnings thrown at them left, right and centre. Um, with the, all these changes that, um, you know, the levelling up, minister has has made the government has made in taxation and so forth renting and letting agents have got a huge task on their hand much much more than you ever imagined it to be it's it's very different now um into the market comes these uh, disruptors people like uh, purple bricks came in strike and uh, several others who come and, and say look you know for 199 we'll rent your flat out for you or house out for you um but someone somewhere has to pay that and they either either they take a, a, a an agreement on the flat as a agent and then sub it out or they rent it for so little that there is not enough in it for them so there's the, the, the letting agents have had a, a real challenging time in all honesty and um that, that that industry in itself is having a challenging time because even as you, as the, as the landlords are concerned, the people that buy these or the accidental landlords we talk about are also finding it that it's actually not as brilliant as it was because the mortgage rate's gone up, utilities have gone up. They're trying to let a, a, an empty property at a higher level to cover their costs, and of course the tenants can't afford it. So you know it is it is a very very challenging time. Yeah, they've noticed, because uh, they, they're able to see in their data, this company, the anniversary dates of the rentals, and they're noting that the rental then stops 
and then roughly 60 days after the rental has stopped, new adverts for the properties are appearing on um, uh, various portals. So uh, there's definitely a clear trend there and we'll keep an eye on that as things change. But I guess really, Joe, you know, everything evolves and uh, in tough times, people find more creative ways. So in 2024, we may see the whole market shift further. I think I think we've got a very interesting 2024 coming up. Um, you know, this last couple of years, uh, especially this last year, has been really, very really, uh, tough for uh, homeowners, uh, not just because the mortgage rate went up, but also all the utilities that have started to cost a lot more money, the cost of living, etc. But, you know, there is an election next year. And I've said time and time again that, you know, there will be a, a, a bonanza offered in the autumn budget because they know that they've got to do that. They've now amazingly managed to get the inflation rate down, 4.6, it was announced this week. Uh, it's, it's less than half or halved what they were at, at double, double digits. We said by the time this, this time, uh, this year, they, they will manage to get it to about 4.5, 4.4. So here we are, you know, with our prediction was absolutely um, on the button. And, and I'm, I'll say that, you know, come next week, you will find there's going to be lots of goodies uh, for the housing market, which last autumn had nothing, zero in, in it. So, you know, watch this space. Sounds like you have inside information. You keep referring to this, Joe. Well, of course, you know, you know how it is. Can't, can't <laughs> insider dealing, is it? Is, is that, that was what it was? <laughs> Gordon yes. Gecko and in, insider dealing and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I shall, uh, I shall watch the speech with interest now as you've uh, teased us today about that. Uh, yeah. Final one of the week. Uh, over half, 55% of tenants prefer utility bills included in their rent to save them stress. But just 12% of available stock on the market across England offers this, according to research. Zero deposit. Uh, uh, surveyed over two and a half thousand tenants and over two-fifths, 44%, said they would be more likely to rent a property if the bills were included versus a property that they weren't. However, the firm's analysis of current rental stock listed on Zoopla found that just 12% of these houses across England or places to rent across England currently offered the additional benefit of having bills included in the rent. Well, that's a bit of a no-brainer, kind of obvious. Everyone would love the bills to be included, but... Just the point that, that, that crossed my mind was if you're struggling to get tenants or get a good tenant, maybe, maybe these are the sort of incentives you could consider. And, and how would you go about it? Well, it's, it has uh, and it was quite a big thing, to be honest with you. A lot of a lot of people were doing that. But this particular year um, that has come off the uh, Richter scale, you know, the chances of people wanting to rent with all inclusive is actually gone just it's just come you can see the number of percentages it's such a low percentage now that people are even offering that and the reason for that is um all of the costs Paul. it's as simple as that when 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 the interest rate was a quarter percent the the lending was uh the borrowing that they had was cheaper the utilities were cheaper it was easier to say look i can do a, 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 a all-inclusive kind of rent you know, rent a room out and, and say to them, look, we can rent that to you for 750, 800 pounds a month or whatever. It worked out okay because that was the case. However, that's not the case anymore. And, and because that's not the case, the, the mortgage rate has gone up, the utility costs have gone up, um, and it's not, and we don't know. That's, that's the bit that uh, landlords are really sort of what 
we don't know when they're going to go up or down or even if even if they're ever, ever going to come back down again so it's just not been a viable proposition anymore even though it's a great idea and it was a good idea but right now it's just not feasible and that's why it's such a low percentage that is available with that and it can only be those which are either housing multiple occupancy or those that have had no mortgages on them um, they can afford to turn around and say well actually I can afford to do that but I've got you know maybe three or four and people used to um, back in the day they would they would buy a two-bedroom flat um, instead of a one-bedroom flat and actually rent one of the rooms out because it helped them with, with the uh, uh, the running of the of the place but even that has become a little bit more challenging because you know people don't want to pay I mean I, I think I was having a discussion with somebody recently a property in Southall uh, a room rate was 900 pounds you know just for a room in a house on a monthly basis well when you look back at sometimes you would have actually got yourself an apartment for 900 pounds uh, a month for and, and had the whole thing but is not 900 pounds a month just for the apartment it would be then bills rates rent um you know electric gas all of that and so that become that 900 becomes 12 1300 pounds before you even start you know uh, thinking about your food costs etc so uh, it's it's a, it's a great idea but at the moment i just don't think it, it stacks up and that's why there's such a low number of properties uh, that are available with, with an inclusive rent just nine percent in the southeast ten percent in london but if you go to the east midlands as many as 22 percent of uh, all current available properties uh, come with the bills the west midlands is 17 percent northwest is 16 percent so that's quite high compared to the south but the trouble, I suppose, for the landlord is, you know, if they get somebody in their bills included, what's to say they're not going to have the heating on 25 degrees 24-7? Oh, it does. And, and I, I, I will tell you that I've been a landlord historically on that basis. And, you know, the heating bill is stupid because they, it's not their bill. It's not something that they worry about. Oh, I forgot to turn that off. Well, yeah, it's like an oven in the place and it's you're paying it. So all of these things started to bring down and that's where places in london um you know you've got nine percent ten percent maybe that are available in, in the north it's not just about being in the north it is that the value of properties and the value of rents is much much different so they could probably encompass the whole thing whereas here the rent values on their own are so high that then to add the bills to it just makes it you know not a viable proposition I suppose there's a wider question just to wrap up on on this story, and that is really, you know, what uh, can landlords do to make their property more appealing so that they have less void periods and uh, have better quality tenants? Yeah, um, I, th I think I think landlords, you know, we all try and make sure that uh, we have a good relationship with the tenants. And and um, I think one of the things that you've got to do now, as we as we learn about this, that these annual increases have got to be built in from day one. They've just got to. You can't just sit there and say, you know what, they're a really nice tenant. They've been there for five years. It's okay. I'll, I'll live with it. You can't live with it. It doesn't work because there are third party situations that are not in your control. For example, the utility costs, well, they're not in our control. We don't know what's happened. But this last year, we were all learned and had a, a very um, uh, serious lesson. Of, of what happens in a short space of time uh, and all of a sudden we're not in control of that um, so 
I think that landlords can actually have a good relationship with their, with their tenant, but set it out from day one that, you know what, this is going to be a review every six months or annually, you know, and if it doesn't work, then you've got to move it on forward. Otherwise, you know, you could be just sitting there holding a pup um, for the next, you know, 12 months, 18 months, um, and, and not go back to them and build it. Those things are in the tenancy agreements. We, as landlords, all the landlords have never really taken that on board and said, you know what, I'll do that. Because you kind of get used to the idea of, oh, it's okay, well, it's only a couple of quid. But sooner or later, it mounts up to a point when it becomes totally unviable. It's all about communication, which is why we're here every week for Property Matters. And with that, we must say goodbye. See you again for another Property Matters soon. Mm -hmm.